talk about it. I'm Jackie. And I'm Megan. And today I'm going to be interviewing Megan about her own mental health journey. So as you guys know, on this podcast, we like to talk about the things that people kind of like to push under the rug and avoid. And mental health is one of those topics for sure. It's become a bigger topic lately and people are more comfortable talking about it. But I think both Megan and I have encountered still a lot of stigma around mental health and misunderstanding. And we've done some other podcasts where we've talked about it more generally, but today we're just going to really get into Megan's own story and she's really going to tell us what she struggled with and how she has learned to cope and heal from a lot of it so Megan would you like to tell everyone I guess what you have struggled with and what you've been diagnosed with sure so I kind of I guess it's easier for me if I think about it in terms of a timeline Um, and I think for a lot of people who are like me Obviously, you know, this is my experience and my personal story, so everybody is completely different. But if you are similar to me, it's kind of difficult to pinpoint like an exact starting point or a beginning of like, okay, when did I first start having anxiety? Because I guess in a way it feels like I've always had anxiety. It was just a challenge for me to understand or express what was happening to me or what I was feeling when I was very, very young. I think I just naturally have a propensity towards anxiety and but several things throughout my life have caused me to develop unhealthy triggers coping mechanisms or thought and behavior patterns so for the longest time i struggled with a great shame because i just felt like i didn't deserve to have anxiety there's like so many people out there who have way harder stories who have experienced extreme trauma and abuse and for them it made total sense to me i'm like oh my goodness of course they have anxiety they've been through such horrible things and then i looked at my life And I had a two-parent home, Christian family, grew up in a relatively safe environment in a small town, and I looked at myself and thought, how dare I have anxiety? What's wrong with me? Surely I'm making it up. And my heart really goes out to people like that because it can be really hard to recognize what you're going through and, and actually reach out and get help if you're struggling with that shame. And my entire life, I had been teased that I'm dramatic. And I do think I am a little bit dramatic. That is like my personality. I have a very big personality. I have big reactions to things. I've always had very dynamic facial expressions. So I don't think anyone meant it maliciously to tease me for being dramatic. But the way I took that in and internalized it was that that had to do with my anxiety. That I was just being dramatic or even making up my anxiety. So, yeah, my heart in sharing my journey is just to hopefully encourage someone that your feelings are valid, that you deserve to be heard and seen, and that treatment is available. And obviously, once again, this is just my personal experience and everyone is different, but I do hope in sharing my story, you gain some hope in your story. Yeah, and I think what you just shared about feeling guilty and shame for having your symptoms because your life wasn't as difficult as you know other people you've seen around you just didn't feel like you deserve to have those symptoms that's one of the biggest misconceptions about mental health is that something really terrible has to happen to you for you to struggle with a mental illness when you wouldn't say the same about cancer (laughs) you wouldn't say oh like it's the same thing it can be just a chemical imbalance in the brain with of course other factors contributing to it and mental health is very complex but 
that's one of the biggest misconceptions I think people face. For sure. And I think I always looked at it and went, where is the event that started this all? And I don't think that's really the case for me. It's definitely the case for some people, but not so much for me. I think for me, if I really think back around like five or six years old is when I first kind of have memories of just very vivid and graphic nightmares, like not normal nightmares that kids experience. Like these nightmares were horrifying and I would wake up viscerally like upset by them um and a lot of them like looking back and even talking to counselors throughout my life about these nightmares they really had themes of fear so it involved getting crushed drowning being chased by monsters or people me or my family being killed in really graphic ways being like lit on fire i know one particular dream i had was and i also i had a lot of repetitive dreams so i would have the same nightmare for days and days upon end like it would just every night i'd go to sleep and i'd have the same nightmare again um and so one of these repetitive dreams was where i would be running through like a woods or forest and some man was chasing me with a gun and i would get to a cabin and in the cabin there was nothing inside it was completely empty except a blanket on the floor and I would put the blanket around me to try and hide from the guy with the gun, and he would start shooting at me, and I would see the bullets try and penetrate the blanket, and they wouldn't. I was being protected by the blanket. And in my like child's brain, I was like, oh, it's because the blanket is Jesus. Mm. And so I eventually actually did tell my mom that I was having these nightmares, and I told her about how I thought the blanket was Jesus. And she was like, well, that could be a really great way for you to work through these nightmares, is when you wake up from them, imagine that... Jesus showed up in the dream and it had a happy ending which is really cheesy but it actually helped me and then in my nightmares I actually started having Jesus show up in my dreams and like save me or help me and so that was just like the very young way that I coped with these very visceral and I think it was the beginnings of what would turn into panic attacks yeah I just want to chime in and say that's so cute. Jesus would show up in your dreams. Yep. He would save me. And I was like, it's the real Jesus. Like, I truly believed it wasn't just a dream. I was like, oh, hey, Jesus. Picture little Megan talking to Jesus. You show up to heaven. It's the same guy. (laughs) If not, I'll be like, what? What in the world? (laughs) Heck, Jesus. (laughs) That's so cute. Um, Not the nightmares, but Jesus showing up. (laughs) Super cute nightmares. (laughs) So, Megan, can you further I guess move along in the timeline since that's the way that you um, wanted to tell your story and some of the other symptoms that started showing up as you got older for sure so um, one thing that started popping up around it's so hard for me to tell but I think around like six or seven was I think I started having panic attacks and once again in my very young brain I didn't know how to describe it like I didn't have that vocabulary I didn't say that it was panic attacks I would it would happen at night and I would wake up in the middle of a panic attack and I would tell my parents like very physical symptoms like I can't breathe my heart's going to stop like you know I can't move just uh, that's the only things I could really express and this was around the time that my family moved so we moved from my childhood town to the town that I ended up growing up And right around this time, my dad's health rapidly decreased. Mm. And I think this is what really started 
triggering a lot of the panic attacks at night was my dad was originally diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and he would have flare-ups and he was just constantly in pain and he would be on medications that would wreak havoc on his body and make him extremely extremely sick and we were always rushing him to the hospital and things like that and so I I think I just started developing this subconscious belief that my dad was going to die that he was just deteriorating and he was going to die and I think this started triggering a lot of these panic attacks but my parents couldn't recognize it because I wasn't able to express it I was very young I was <laughs> in the midst of like panicking so even I could barely describe it so they started just blowing it off as asthma and they even took me to the doctor and had me do like the test for asthma and it was I did not have asthma and the doctors were like no something else is going on and my parents were just kind of like well we don't know how to or we don't know how to deal with this so we're just going to say she has asthma um, because we had so much else going on with in our life at the time and this kind of also developed into just like a sense of nervousness constantly and this would really come out whenever I slept somewhere other than my home so if I go over sleepover with friends even with like grandparents or family members I would have like the only way I could describe it was I feel nervous <laughs> and I could not sleep I would start throwing up I would feel so sick I would have difficulty breathing my heart would be racing I would be sweating and having hot flashes like just very very stereotypical anxiety symptoms um, but even at that very young age around like seven eight nine ten I was embarrassed like all my other little friends could have sleepovers and think it was fun and I had such fear about it so I started hiding it so I even found ways to like quietly throw up at night when all my friends were asleep and just all these like very secret ways to deal with it yeah and you talking about people mistaking anxiety symptoms for some kind of other illness like asthma the amount of people I've heard of going to the emergency room because I think they're having a heart attack yeah and it's just a panic attack and I shouldn't say just a panic attack because panic attacks are very real and feel so awful and you feel like you're dying and I think that just shows the gravity of the symptoms where people mm -hmm. actually think they're having a heart attack or think they have asthma because of how much anxiety affects the body right it, it, it was a very physical reaction to what was going on in my head and in my I think my soul really and but that was the only thing I could describe and I my heart goes out to people because I think that's so common where people will have panic attacks and they'll be like yeah what's going on am I having a heart attack because that's the only thing they see that's going on yeah I think mental illness kind of just plug in it manifests itself a lot in the body and we don't realize I mean it makes total sense mm -hmm. mental illness you know it's chemicals in our brain things going on in the brain which is our body which is right. going to affect how we feel physically like our muscles our everything we're going to feel tightness when we're anxious and we won't even realize how much you know what's going on in our brains is affecting the rest of our body yeah I mean I, we are holistic beings like we are embodied souls and I, I think it's so interesting that you bring that up because I actually started as a way of coping with my anxiety, I think was I would um, do things to my body because w at least for me, a really scary part of anxiety would be that I felt like I was leaving my body or that I was somehow almost having like an out of body experience. Like I did not feel in my body. And so I started using pain as a way to cope with my anxiety of like, no, I'm in my body. Like I'm 
I am existing, I am alive, I am real, and for some reason that helped me focus, because that's another thing we don't talk about with anxiety, is a big part of anxiety is not being able to focus, and just having no clarity, <laughs> so I started um, picking at my skin, and maybe mute this if this is going to really grip me out for a little bit, I don't know, but I would just become obsessed, like I could not stop, and I would pick at, I would pull at my hair, I would rip out my eyebrows and eyelashes, I would just rip and tear the skin on my lips, on my fingers, on my wrists, on my feet, um, and I would be teased for it. Like, people were always pointing out the fact that, like, my, like, fingers were ripped up and gross, because it is kind of gross, and so then I just tried to start hiding it because it just once again it just became this very like shameful like this is what I do in the dark and this developed just into I noticed that when I was having really really bad anxiety I felt more grounded when I applied pain to myself so I would squeeze pressure points I would dig my fingernails into my skin um and so it's so hard because I've had people ask if this was like a form of self-harm. I don't think that was originally the motive. I think it was more a grounding technique. Um, but then I also, it did start kind of developing into it a self-harm. And I'd become obsessed with this idea, idealizations of drowning or burning in fire. Because for some reason to me that seemed peaceful. And so it, it is like, it started as just kind of a, in my head, I justified it like, oh, this is the way I need to cope with this, but it got really out of hand. Yeah, and I think self-harm is one of the most misunderstood symptoms of anxiety. It's seen as an attention-seeking thing, which, you know, maybe in some situations it is, but it's not. It's a way that people are trying to cope with this extreme just pain and suffering that are going on inside of you know their minds and like grounding things in your body or feeling things physically can re you know release pain or you know does relief endorphins and kind of relieve the pain the emotional pain that you're going through mm -hmm. and it was it was something that I wanted to hide I didn't want people to know about so yeah it is kind of hard to hear people say that it was mm -hmm. like oh attention seeking because I'm like I did not want anyone to know about this like I did my very hardest to hide it like I would draw on at one point in my life I only had like half my eyebrows like barely I barely had any eyebrows because I just pulled all my eyebrows hairs out and I would draw on my eyebrows so that no one would be able to tell yeah you're like do you think I want no. to feel this way <laughs> do you think I want to feel like burning in a fire would be better than how right. I'm living <laughs> <laughs> that's what gets me yeah definitely not something that we want no people i did to know not about. want it's to not for way. attention <laughs> it's not something you're choosing <laughs> no yeah so i think this brings us around to like 2011 so in 2011 my dad lost his job and the only job that he got was all the way in minnesota and i was in we were in, my family was in wisconsin so he actually worked and lived in minnesota and we lived in wisconsin so I only ever saw my dad on like some weekends or if we would go up to see him at his like little basement apartment <laughs> and that was like really hard on my family and because he was putting himself through so much just stress and strain with this job and with not living with his family his mental health and physical health got really really bad so he was actually in a wheelchair um, for this year. And so once again, that just that fear of him dying. And I don't even 
I feel like fear is the wrong word. It was like a belief that he was going to die. And every time I would say goodbye to him and watch his car drive away, I was like, oh, that's the last time I saw my dad. And I just had this like constant fear and belief and also feeling like I needed to be strong for my siblings and for my mom. And I think this is sort of when I developed a really strong anxiety about illness and about doctors and everything surrounding that. Um, Because at one point when my dad was in Minnesota, my mom actually got really, really sick and ended up needing to go to the emergency room. And I couldn't handle it. Like I had a complete meltdown and ended up hiding in the basement. And I just could not (laughs) handle it. And so that I think is where a lot of those um, just triggers kind of started developing. Um, And then I approached puberty and my period came and my hormones started shifting and it made it so much worse. And so if I thought my anxiety was bad up to that point, suddenly I was overwhelmed with how horrible I was feeling. And it's, it's already really hard to be a teenager, to be going through puberty, to be in middle school. All like that is just such an awkward, horrible time. But then throw on top of that, I already was struggling so much with anxiety and all these habits and things up to this point. I just felt like I was like thrown into the deep end and I could barely keep my head above the water. Um, And so I started really developing a lot of social anxiety just around like social functions and relationships and friendships, which every teen experiences. It was just really amplified in me because I already had so much anxiety. Yeah, I think almost every woman can relate (laughs) when those hormones set in. Even if you don't struggle with a mental illness, your emotions just become insane. All over the place. All over the place. So imagine, you know, already having some kind of mental illness and adding that in. It's just, it's a lot to deal with, especially at that age. Um, Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of women can relate to this, but you're going through so much so many physical changes in your body and when you already have that turmoil in your head and in your mind adding in all these body changes I think really developed a lot of anxiety about my body and so that's really when I started struggling with a lot of eating um so I was really really skinny (laughs) you wouldn't think that now looking at me I am much more curvy but when I was a teenager I was like a little stick and so I really struggled because I couldn't eat because I was anxious all the time, but then I would feel really self-conscious of how skinny I was, and I so badly wanted to be curvy. I, like, saw all these other girls, and I was jealous of them, so then because I was self-conscious that I was so skinny, I would start binge eating, and then I would feel guilty for gaining weight, so I would, like, go back, and I'd start denying myself food, and and it just kind of became a cycle, and I don't think it ever developed to the point of being an eating disorder. It was almost just, like, my anxiety, and I was being obsessive over things, and so I would latch on to different things to be, like, obsessive about and compulsively do, Um, and so this really kind of just leads into spiritual struggles. You know, I grew up a Christian, And around the time I was 15, I just started wondering if I even wanted to be a Christian anymore. Um, My family dealt with a lot of church hurt around this time, uh, which is a story from a different day. But this just really started bringing in a lot of turmoil of, why would God allow me to go through this? 
Um, I prayed like every day. I was like that little girl who was just constantly talking to God and felt like even God like talked to me when I was little. And then as I just grew older, I felt like he was becoming so distant and he wasn't hearing me or speaking to me. And I felt like it was because of my anxiety that I was being punished or that I was annoying him or he just didn't want to respond to me. He didn't want to listen to me. I had asked too many times for him to take my anxiety away and he didn't want to and he just wanted me to stop asking him. And so I felt very rejected and it, was, it started becoming even hard to pray about my anxiety because I felt like I would pray, Lord, please take my anxiety away and I wouldn't get any answer. And you feel so rejected when that happens that I wouldn't even want to pray that anymore because I was like, I don't even want to feel that rejection. Yeah. And I think when we feel like we've turned some way to try to cope with something and it doesn't work, we can turn to a lot of other areas <laughs> that are not healthy to, you know, there, there's healthy and there's unhealthy coping. And I think a lot of us at one point fall into very unhealthy methods of coping. So can you share a bit, a little bit about that in your journey, Megan? Yeah. So we're around me being 17, 16, 17, 18 at this point. Um, and because I was really struggling in my faith and feeling like I couldn't find peace there in the past, I had gained a lot of peace by praying and that would really help me cope with my anxiety and I wasn't feeling that anymore. Um, and just my personality, I'm a very avoidant person. So if something isn't working, I don't want to think about it. I, I just want to like run away and avoid it. And so this um, exemplified and I wanted to avoid my anxiety. And so I would turn to things that would distract me. I just wanted to distract myself. And so what really distract me when I was a teenager going through puberty was pornography and also just entertainment. Just anything that would get my mind off of it, distract me help me think about something else because I would be so obsessive in my thoughts when I was anxious. So I just needed something that would completely dull that. And I also started, <laughs> I became addicted to codeine, which is um, a medicine <laughs> and it helped me sleep at night because another thing is I would really struggle with insomnia. I could not sleep. And so um, this is really when my panic attacks started getting really bad um, was when I was around 18 so my first year of college, um, I would I started having around three to five panic attacks a week. I wasn't sleeping. Um, I was working 5 a.m. to 3 p.m. every day, um, as well as a 10-hour-a-week internship. I was working like 30 hours a week, and I was in school. And I was just completely isolated and alone. Like I pretty much, I was just, I lived at work, internship, my bedroom. And this is really when I was struggling to sleep so bad that I was taking codeine to sleep at night. And this is when I think the more suicidal self-harm thoughts started coming in because I just so badly wanted to escape. I wanted it to be over. I felt so bad. Um, so I had this idea that I could just drink a ton of codeine and just never wake up um, and so I actually did at one point I went out and I bought like a ton of sleeping pills and I was just going to take them all because I had this idea that like mm -hmm. 
oh, they would just, I would go to sleep and I wouldn't wake up and it would be peaceful and I could finally just have peace and rest because that was just all I wanted. I was like, I just need a break. Um, and then I ended up reading online that that's not what happens when you OD on sleeping pills and it's really horrible. And that was honestly the only thing that stopped me from doing it was like, well, I, can't, I just can't deal with like more like pain and like horrible feelings. So I ended up <laughs> kind of accidentally mentioning it to my mentor at the time. Um, she asked me f- if I, there was anything that she could pray for me about. And I was like, well, I'm kind of struggling with sleeping. And then suddenly I just had a breakdown. And I started sobbing. And this was the first time I put words to it. I told her, I think I have an anxiety disorder. And even as I was saying it, I was like, what am I saying? Because I had never voiced it to myself or anyone else. But for some reason, those were the words that came out was, I think I have an anxiety disorder. And she handled it so well. She was like, you know what? Mm. I do too. Let's talk about this. She stayed up all night with me and talked to me and just like told me the things I needed to hear. She was like, you have panic attacks, don't you? And I was like, yes. And she was like, well, your heart is not going to stop. You're not going to stop breathing. You're going to be okay. Like things that I needed someone to tell me. And I just, it felt so good to have someone who I felt understood. But her big thing was she thought I needed medication. And I was like, no. I don't want medication. Like, medication is bad. She was like, I really think you need medication. I want you to tell your parents. Because at this point, I had hid everything from them. And so I was like, I really don't think that's a good idea. I don't want to tell my parents. And she was like, you have to. I'm giving you until Tuesday. And this was a Friday. So she basically gave me a weekend. And she was like, you have to tell your parents by Tuesday. If you don't, I will tell them. Because she was really concerned for me, which she should have been. So I did. I told my parents. Um... And I don't blame them for this, but they didn't take me seriously. And I don't know if it was that I didn't express it or they just, they didn't really understand anxiety. Um, But they told me I didn't need to go to counseling, that I didn't need medication, that I was just stressed out because I was working too much and that I just needed to calm down. And I was so like horrified and embarrassed and crushed by that conversation that I ended up just telling my <laughs> mentor that I made it up. So the next time we had a meeting, I told her, you know, I lied to you. I actually don't have anxiety. I was just trying to get attention. And she was like, she didn't believe me for a second. She was like, I know you're making this up. Like, I know you did not lie to me. I know you have anxiety. Why are you doing this? I was like, no, I don't need medication. I don't need counseling. Like, I was just trying to be your favorite mentee. Oh, and no, and so I basically got her off my back. I just convinced her to leave it alone and... not do anything about it um so yeah I just pretended I was faking it the only good thing I did do was I actually did end up talking to my uncle he was in psychology school and I just did it like hypothetically if someone is struggling with panic attacks like what would you do because I genuinely (laughs) felt like I was gonna die not asking for me right not for like me which I think he did suspect he was like "Mm, okay (laughs) but he was really kind about it he taught me these really great grounding exercises for panic attacks and cognitive behavioral therapy exercises so I did start using those and I was able to kind of start warding off panic attacks with those techniques and it did start getting better um, so that should have clued me in like oh maybe treatment would be really helpful but mm-hmm. it didn't I was like no clearly I can handle it like I have it together like I can do with this I'm fine there's such a mindset around oh my gosh we could go we do an entire episode about the stigmas around medication which you know I dealt mm-hmm. with and you know Megan was just sharing she dealt with and the stigma around therapy which I think that that's you know, slowly kind of going away yeah. and it's becoming a lot more acceptable to talk about therapy 
and go to therapy it's way more normal like it's a conversation <laughs> you can have with your friends you're like yo my therapist right. told me today <laughs> which is so i love my therapist just, where do you go to therapy? i know which is so great um but medication i think even still now has so much of a stigma surrounding it and a misunderstanding that it's like some kind of dependency mm-hmm. when really medication normally is just putting another like a chemical into your brain that should be there that's missing and is right. causing the mental illness um but that's something you can definitely share more about later in your story. Yeah. So this is when I'm in college now. So I'm in college. Um, and this is when I actually felt like God was starting to redeem some of my anxiety. There were girls on my dorm who would have panic attacks. And because I knew these techniques and things, I could help them. And so I started seeing like, okay, well, maybe there was a purpose in this. And that was good. Um, but I still really needed to like go to counseling, go to therapy, get a medication, and I wasn't. So finally, um, my junior year of college, I had some really, really bad relationship problems and difficulties at home, and that just made me have another breakdown. And it really increased my anxiety symptoms, the thoughts of self-harm and suicide returned, and I actually tried a few times to get hit by cars which is not good. Yeah, I would just run out in front of cars. Casual. Oh, yeah. So um, because it was so bad, I actually did end up going to counseling. Um, and it was just the counseling at my school. And it was very informal, um, which was fine. Um, so I didn't really have like a formal diagnosis. I wouldn't even really say it was treatment. It was more just like working through specifically the circumstances and situations I was going through. So it wasn't really addressing like, I have an anxiety disorder. It was just addressing like, well, there's some really horrible things happening in your life right now that anyone would have these responses to. Mm-hmm. I think it was mm-hmm. just, I was like going extreme. Um, so yeah, no, no formal diagnosis, but it was helpful and it really did get me a little more on track and to the point where I felt mentally okay again. Um, not great, but okay. But my physical health was really declining. And I think I there was so much anxiety internalized, too, at this point, that it was just wreaking havoc on my body. And at this point, it's been years. So I started having really horrible irritable bowel syndrome. Um, my acne got so bad. I had extreme cystic acne. I had constant nausea. I would just randomly, like, throw up all day long um I had constant diarrhea like all the time I would joke with people like about it because I just thought it was whatever um I actually started having blood in my stool because of how much I was going which is cute (laughs) and that we treat it so casually yeah I, I think I mentioned it like once but I made it so like nonchalant that people were like okay Okay. I mean, so that no one realized really like how bad, like how much blood. When there Megan was. told me the first time, she was like, "Oh, yeah, we've just met, and but we like got real pretty quickly." Right. And she was just like, "Yeah, I mean, like, I think I may have stomach problems. I look, I'm like, yeah, girl, me too. I've had anxiety." And she's like, "Yeah, sometimes there's just like a little bit of like blood in it." And I was like, "Excuse me." I was like, "You know how we all what? just like bleed?" And she's like, "No." We really need to go to a doctor. That is not okay. (laughs) But I refuse to go to a doctor. And once again, like, those anxiety about 
doctors and illness and chronic illness and everything just with my family uh, I would like throw up anytime I thought about going to a doctor so not great relate yeah yep I think a lot of people know how that feels <laughs> um yeah so around this time I got married <laughs> John <laughs> yeah so this is where John comes in so I think it's just so beautiful how in marriage like the two truly become one and it, I really needed this I needed someone to be like Megan here's a dose of reality like you're not okay because at this point I just had so brainwashed myself into thinking like well this is how everyone is like everyone just has horrible anxiety everybody's really sick all the time that's just life is hard (laughs) so I had a husband who was living with me who was married to me um who was seeing all this stuff and so he starts pointing it out and being like hey like i don't think this is healthy he started kind of recognizing triggers or unhealthy family relationships and he starts telling me to go to counseling out of his great love for me and i had another meltdown um and this is something we both laugh about now at the time it was really horrible but we laugh about it now i basically had a meltdown i was curled up on the floor sobbing and i told him I was like screaming at him. I was like, stop telling me to go to counseling. I have it together. I'm fine. Which is funny to see a person who's like sobbing on the floor, curled up in a ball telling you, I'm fine. I have it together. I said, I know my triggers and I can deal with it. And he was like, oh, Um, yeah. But I did eventually my like last year of college. So about a year into marriage. um, Once again, I had some really bad just relationship problems with friends so that was kind of what drove me to counseling so I was like oh I remember last time this was really helpful (laughs) so I agreed to go and this time I had um it was a little more formal and this girl was really good she helped me figure out a lot of my triggers and this is when I had my first diagnosis so she diagnosed me with generalized anxiety disorder um she was like oh it's pretty obvious (laughs) like you have all the classic symptoms (laughs) so she She was really great. Um, I think I was just a little bit much for her. She was very new at counseling. So she did, like, she would go through cognitive behavioral therapy techniques with me, which I'd kind of already been doing by myself. So it helped a little. um, It helped me kind of manage, like, panic attacks and things like that. Um, But I wouldn't say it was significant. I was really still dealing with a lot of anxiety. and I, but she did help me work through some of like the family and medical trauma I had um, surrounding those things and help me kind of realize where some of my anxiety around certain areas of my life were coming from. And she once again <laughs> wanted me to go on medication and I refused. I was very against it. So it wasn't until this last year, so we're getting up to the present now. Um, so this last year, I started noticing that my anxiety was impeding on my life and I think it was because I'd always been a bit of a loner before you know I was single so I felt like I could deal with it the only one person really being affected by my anxiety was me but now suddenly I had a husband who you know my anxiety is really really bad around the holidays and my poor husband wants to enjoy the holidays he doesn't want to have to like hold his wife who's shaking and having a panic attack just because it's the holidays and she has to go see family and things like that so I started kind of realizing like oh this is like I'm not managing it well like here I've been telling myself that I've got this under control but I don't I do need something more and 
December of 2019, um, my brother-in-law got married and that was just when I ended up having like a panic attack in like the bathroom the night before the wedding. Like it was just like, I was a mess and I was hiding it. Like really no one knew, but that was when I was really like, okay, this isn't good. Like I could have ruined their wedding. Like this is impeding on my life and it's going to affect other people. And it's selfish of me to not go and get help. So I finally agreed to go to the doctor and I kind of went to the doctor more for like originally um, because I had just all these horrible health symptoms that were going on. Uh, and surprise, uh, anxiety was the cause. I actually didn't really have anything wrong with me. I was just wreaking havoc on my own body. <laughs> so she actually, this is when I got my second diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder and panic disorder. And that's when she was like, I think you should go on medication. And I finally was like, I think you're right. So I started medication. Yeah, and this is the part of the story where I actually met Megan and and watched her go through this whole process. Um, And yeah, I mean, I struggled with a lot of the same things before I started medication, which I can get into in my own story, which we're also going to talk about in a different episode. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just remember talking to Megan and being like, it's okay. You know, it's not a weakness. (laughs) (laughs) I take it too, girl. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm like, oh, I'm on medication too for depression, anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, just the stigma is so strong around that. But if you had, I know we always talk about this but really if you had like cancer or arthritis or diabetes you take medicine for it right but for some reason with mental health we think that we have to have some kind of other control over it or that we need to find some other way more more naturally to fix it or that we don't want to become dependent on medication when it's like no just like because your body doesn't produce enough insulin you need you know when you have diabetes you have to take insulin it's your brain is not producing enough serotonin usually that's the chemical that's Mm -hmm. missing that you're struggling with these you know symptoms and sometimes you know it does come genetically from birth and then a lot of times though it's a combination that you can be under so much stress from difficult you know environmental system situations that it changes your brain chemicals and you need help to get back on track And and i think my doctor actually put it in such a great way she described it to me she was like let's say you have an open wound like this is a deep wound she's like that wound is your anxiety well because the pain is so great like you cannot endure stitches like you need anesthetic in order to put those stitches in and clean out the pus of that wound in order to actually start healing she's like you can go to counseling and therapy and for some people that's enough Mm -hmm. but she's like but if your wound is so deep and so infected that is only going to almost inflict pain on you like you need to be able to have medication to help balance out your hormones in your brain your chemicals so that you can actually start that process of getting stitches and cleaning up that wound and healing and actually having it close up and get back to normal and that was just what really helped me because I think it was pride like I was really thinking like no I can deal with this on my own like if I can't do this like then I'm just a lesser person (laughs) and to have someone be like nope that's not the case like this is how bodies work helped me so much exactly yeah so I guess that brings me to where I am now today as we're recording this um i am on medication still on medication i've been on medication for several months now and 
at the beginning it was like really rough but now I've I've really hit the right dosage I it's been helping me um I still have anxiety and I don't think that's ever something that completely completely goes away not on this side of heaven but it is so much more manageable my symptoms are a lot more manageable and I would say they're more subdued in fact, John and I were even just talking about this this morning that like my worst days now are probably like my medium to best days when I was without medication, which is a huge, 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 huge improvement. So I still struggle, um, but I am getting a lot more healthy and I actually will be, I, am, I have a therapist picked out. I will be going to her uh, at the time of recording this. We're in the middle of a pandemic. So that's not happening very much right now. Thanks, COVID. <laughs> right. But that is the plan. And, and I am working towards and meeting with people. And so, yeah, I am getting a lot more healthy. And once again, we're holistic beings. You know, if, our, if a part of our body is not working, our whole body doesn't work. And so I couldn't deal with the fact that I was feeling sick all the time without also dealing with my anxiety and I also couldn't deal with my anxiety without also helping my physical symptoms of being sick all the time. So it was just like I needed to attack myself at all angles <laughs> to really start working towards and beginning the process and journey of healing, which is where I am now. Exactly. And I just want to point out, and we're going to probably say this in so many different episodes, but it's so important to mention that not everyone's struggle with mental illness is the same mm-hmm. and that... Yeah, some people will be fine with just medication or just most of the time it's medication and therapy and other lifestyle changes. And some people it is just therapy or a lifestyle change. Everyone's experience with mental illness is different. The causes are different. Mm -hmm. But some people really do need medication. You know, that would be something for your doctor and a psychiatrist to determine. Mm -hmm. And everyone's experience with different medications is different. But people shouldn't be shamed for having to take medication and even when you do take medication as Megan was mentioning it's not just a band-aid we're just throwing on and expecting it to fix everything Mm -hmm. no but it is a good baseline so that we can be at a level where therapy and you know healthy eating and exercise and other coping mechanisms that you implement for the rest of your life can actually work right yeah because I was like trying all those things you know I was trying to get like eight hours of sleep I was trying to do all like the things they say like oh if you have anxiety like drink more water like those are all good things but I was in so much turmoil Mm -hmm. that I needed to be balanced before I could add those things as an additional help yeah well Megan thank you so much for being so vulnerable and sharing your story a lot of that stuff I didn't even know and a lot of it you know I related to and it made me feel you know less alone in my story and I hope anyone listening Mm -hmm. um, can benefit in the same way or just better understand other people that deal with anxiety if you Mm -hmm. haven't and of course we'll leave different links and resources to things that we talked about down in the um, description of this episode but yeah thank you so much Megan yeah thank you for listening I think that's something that's really valuable too is listen to people's stories and if you're listening to this episode and you are saying a lot of this is resonating with me I think I'm struggling with an anxiety disorder please reach out to someone get treatment it will change your life (laughs) it is so good you Mm -hmm. don't need to go through this alone I second this you don't have to live with crippling anxiety no you don't have to. A lot of people, especially as Christians, they think, oh, this is my cross. 
no no <laughs> if there's modern medicine that can help you with these things or ways to cope you know like jesus does not want you to suffer through this this yeah. is not something that you have to deal with of course it's a struggle and it might be something you struggle with for a while but there are ways to alleviate to work through these things yeah i just really really encourage you to reach out and get help if this is something that you are struggling with yeah and just to kind of you know wrap this up i know i mentioned just that my faith in the lord was really struggling because of my anxiety um and I, he's brought me such a long way even with that and with my walk with him. Mm. And I think that was something I really had to wrestle with was I had an idea in my head of how I wanted God to heal me and how I wanted God to help me get through this. And his plan was completely different. And I really struggled with that because I was like, I don't think your plan is better. <laughs> I like my idea more. And so it's been a, a process too in my faith of just realizing God is choosing to work in me through medicine, through therapy, through all these other things, as well as things that I like, such as going to church and praying and all these other things as well. But he has a plan for me that is not quite what I expected or wanted. And that took a lot of submission on my end. Um, so that has just been also a journey kind of alongside my anxiety of how I've you know related to the Lord in this. Um, but he is so faithful and steadfast, and he never leaves us, and he is the one constant in our life. So that has been beautiful as well. Yeah. What a beautiful way to end this. Yeah, thank you so much, Megan. If you have any questions for Megan or I, of course, leave them in the comments or on message us on social media, and maybe we'll answer those um, either directly to you or in a different episode. So yeah. Mental illness is a topic that a lot of people, you know, like we said before, want to avoid, but we definitely need to talk about it. Let's do that. Let's talk about it.